All right, we'll have the teens dismissed at this point. And let us take our Bibles and go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And look at just a few verses here. In fact, let's uh, do this a little differently. Let's read verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now that right there, the last phrase of verse 16, is one of those phrases that's often quoted. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And uh, that's the reason we have a prayer meeting. As I was talking to Brother Davis, he said, Hiram Davis this week, he, he reminded me, he said, listen, preacher, there's not much you can do, but pray for us. Keep us in prayer. And, uh, and so there's, we talk about praying, and then Brother Hardy broke his thumb and said, pray for me if I need surgery. He said, I won't be there this weekend, next weekend. But if I don't need surgery, he said, I'll just, they'll put a cast on it and I'll be there. So we, we need to pray, but so often we just say, God bless all the missionaries. God help us. Dear Lord, help me. And we know this verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we know those words. And we're here tonight to pray. And of course, this is our least attended service because this is the one where we really ask you to do some work. And effectual and fervent prayer is a work. And and we like to quote that verse, but I, I want us to put it in the context with the rest of what James is saying here. And we're just going to go back here to verse 13, and we're going to work our way right to the end of the book here. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now James is going through the last part of his book here, and he's just kind of cramming all these little things. As you know, you uh, if you have opportunity to talk to someone, especially long distance, you don't get to talk too often. And and you're sitting there talking, you realize, you know, this is costing a dollar a minute to Africa or Papua New Guinea. And 
You say, I got to get off the phone, but let me tell you this, and let me tell you that, and let me tell you this, and you finish it up real quick. And that's what James is doing right here, is not necessarily does he know that time is, is near, but he's finishing the book, and he's trying to get all of these things in. And there's just an awful lot. This is why we have prayer meetings is because of these verses right here. This is why we gather together as a church. Now, it says, the first question here is, any among you afflicted? And so I looked up that word. I mean, I think we most of us know what it means, but here's what the English, Oxford English Dictionary says, cast down, depressed, oppressed in mind, body, or estate, Hence, grievously troubled or distressed. You know what we say? Something bothering you? Uh, That is the general word, afflicted. That's what it means. Is something that is troubling you, something you're discouraged about. The idea of being cast down is how many of you felt under circumstances that you felt you could not change? Everybody. All the time. Uh, That is being afflicted. And the first thing that we ought to do when we feel those things coming on, when we feel that happening in our life, prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It will solve the problems of affliction. And by the way, I want to tell you, it's the only medicine that really works all the way. I mean, you can get all kinds of pills today. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll do uh, everything. You, they can do things that are just absolutely unimaginable. You can take a pill today that will take pictures of all of your insides on the way out and let the doctors know what might be wrong with you. Uh, it's not quite the magic school bus where it shrinks down and drives down. Some of you may remember those silly little books. But, I mean, it's awful close. You actually swallow a camera, and and if there's any problems in there, it's supposed to take pictures of it. Um, I don't know about that. I'd I'd rather pray. Amen. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. How many times? You come in, worn out, beat up, afflicted? Sing some of those old hymns. How can you sing? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, you can't even say the words with the frown on your face. God will use these things to cheer us up, but prayer. Is any sick among you? Now, the reason why I think, believe the word afflicted is talking more about emotional and financial and outward things is because the next verse he deals with sickness. Now, we all know what physical sickness is. That's where our body is not functioning the way it should. Uh, And it says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, an awful lot's been made of that. Uh, We used to have a fellow, you need to pray for, speaking of people to pray for, how many of you remember Christopher? Uh, I get a phone call every once in a while. He's had several major surgeries and he's all kinds of problems. And I say, now, Christopher, you need to come back to church. 
He says, oh, Pastor Peter, you know I love you and I love the church. And, uh, uh, but pray for him that he comes back. Amen? But he all the time, will you anoint me with oil? He got that in some other church he had attended. The anointing with oil, the good Samaritan, when he found the man, what did he do? He poured in oil and wine. You got an earache. Olive oil is one of the best medicines in the world for an earache. And by the way, oil is, it's just plain good medicine all the way around. And, uh, There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor, nothing wrong with taking medicine, nothing wrong with having surgeries when they need. But if your trust is in the doctor, that's where the problem is. Our faith has got to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pray. There's nothing wrong with seeking medical advice and medical treatment for diseases. And praise the Lord for all the things that are there. But prayer ought to be our first recourse. Amen? It ought to be the main treatment that we're talking about. And it says here in verse 20, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall heal him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And... uh, Just as the previous verse, the anointing of oil, just because you carry a bottle of oil and put a dot on somebody's forehead and say, Lord bless you. uh, Listen, that's not what it's talking about there. It's talking about treating the sickness, but looking to God. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's prayer that actually gets the thing done. It's prayer that raises him up. And then comes this verse, and if he have... Um, committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, can you pray for somebody else and have God forgive their sins? Do you get saved by somebody else praying for you? If you have sins, what do you do? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen? So what does this verse mean? Well, if you go over to 1 John, I think there's a reference there. There is a sin unto death. And what the Bible is simply saying here, you go to the end of this chapter, and it says, Let him know that he that converteth the sinner from his way, from the error of his way, shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. You know, as a Christian, you can put yourself in a point where God's judgment will come in your life. And he will stop your service for Christ. And what this verse is simply saying is, you pray for the sick. And if he's done something wrong, that doesn't mean that just because a Christian has sinned, they're going to die. That's what he's talking about there. And how many times do we as Christians get out of the way, and it takes the conviction of God in our heart and in our mind. Nothing is more convicting than watching God answer prayer. Amen? 
And this verse here is just simply telling us it's prayer that does the work. When you're afflicted, when you're troubled, when you're distressed, you want an answer? The answer is prayer. When you're physically sick, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with getting some treatment there. But if you want to know what's really going to solve the problem, it's going to be the prayer of faith that's going to solve the problem. And by the way, the prayer of faith is not, Now, Lord, I believe you can heal this person, and so I pray that you heal them. Isn't that kind of contradictory? If you really believe that God's going to heal that person then you're asking God to do something. It's a little scary sometimes the way people think, and I don't think I explained that quite right, but we say, I believe that you... And the attitude I'm trying to describe here is the one where we almost try to tell God what to do with our prayers and that somehow God is under an obligation to do what we say because we said it and we believe that God will do it. You know, God, I believe you give me a million dollars. Now I'm expecting it to show up. See, that's a prayer of foolishness, not of faith. The prayer of faith is a prayer that's in obedience to God's word. And then we come to this next one. And... I asked someone one time, I said, where in the world do you get this that you have to go to the priest and confess your sins? He says, right here, confess your faults one to another. I said, isn't that stretching the scripture just a little bit? Well, I mean a lot of it. This is not talking about the priesthood. You know what this is talking about? It's talking about being honest with our fellow Christians. I mean, even in a church our size, which is not a large church, can you believe that certain members have actually offended other members of our church? Could you imagine such a thing? I mean, it has happened. Is there anything wrong with saying, please forgive me, I was wrong? That's what that's talk. That's what that verse means. Because how can I be right with God and expect Him to hear my prayers when I am purposefully neglecting to make myself right with my fellow Christian who's right here beside me? Confess your faults one to another. Be honest and pray one for another. This is the second Sunday of the month. You know what we pray for on the second Sunday of the month? We pray for one for another on the second Sunday of the month. And if we could print everything, every request that every person had, uh, it would take three or four sheets for every name on this list. Because we are needy people when we live in a needy time. Pray. One for another. Pray for your wife. It'll do a whole lot better than trying to mold her. Pray for your husband. It'll do a whole lot better than nagging him. Pray for your children. Pray for your parents. You think that 
that teacher or that boss at work is in just absolutely impossible. Uh, pray for them. Amen? And I don't mean... Dear God, you know my boss is a horrible, wicked, hell-bound sinner, just an evil person. Just strike him dead and give me a... That's not prayer, my friend. That's selfishness. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. We did Joseph's story, and boy, this morning I was just fighting... Uh, I've been letting Peter teach the Sunday school time, and uh, I realized, oh, he's out of town. I guess who's going to teach Sunday school this week? Well, I guess I will. And so I had to get everything all ready, and that part of Joseph's life is so incredible. How many opportunities did Joseph have to allow bitterness into his heart toward other people? toward his brothers for selling him, toward Potiphar's wife for plotting against him, even toward Pharaoh for giving him all these things, but still not letting him go home where he wanted to be. In fact, Joseph never went home again. He died in the land of Egypt. Wondering why he had to suffer all those years as a slave and a prisoner. Thirteen years. But you know what Joseph did? He prayed for other people. He prayed for the baker and the butler. That God would help him interpret their dreams. Joseph didn't have time to get bitter and depressed because he was too busy praying for other people. I've often given the example of my great-grandmother. She died the year Peter was born. And... Uh, But for the last eight or ten years of her life, she had had several strokes. And uh, she could walk a little bit, but she had two rooms in my grandmother's house where she lived. And she would just walk from one room to the other. And any time I was there, I'd visit her and I'd say, Now, great-grandma, what are you doing today? Because she was really hard of hearing, but she could hear me. And... uh, She said, oh, I'm just sitting here. I don't know why the Lord hasn't taken me home. I said, well, what do you do? She says, well, I eat breakfast and then I pray. And I I pray for this one. And then she started giving me this great big long list of people she prayed for. And I'm not quite sure if she understood, but she said, I'm praying for my grandson that's in Bible college. And uh, that was me, actually, my great-grandson. And uh, I said, Grandma, I know why God has you here. She looked at me and said, why? I said, because we need your prayers. Maybe you're right. Prayer is an incredible thing, is it not? Pray one for another that ye may be healed. Do you realize that Praying for someone else may do you more good than it does them. Because it keeps your attitude in the right place and your heart centered on the right thing. There's an awful lot to get afflicted about today. 
Is there not? And there's an awful lot to allow to cast us down, to to depress us, oppress us in mind, in, in uh, finances. I was talking with somebody. I said that hope and change thing. I'm hoping they're going to leave the change, but it looks like they're after it too, you know. Uh, the pocket change, that is. And uh, it's, a, it's a scary world in which we live. But if you're afflicted, pray. If you're sick, ask for someone to pray for you. Now, we're not going to put down all the gory details, but we'll put your name in health right beside it. Amen? Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't need the diagnosticians list there with all the little things. God knows what's wrong even more than we do, and we'll pray. And we'll... If there's something wrong in your life, you know, there are people that walk around every time something bad happens. Well, I must have sinned last week because God's mad at me. I'm sick today. That's not Bible. If God wants to take you home, let me, tr- let me, let me explain something to you. He can get the job done. Uh, and and he'll, he'll get it accomplished. But sometimes he allows us to get physically sick because he wants to teach somebody else how to pray. Have you ever thought about that? And when we confess our faults one to another when we seek to have the relationships between ourselves that we ought to as Christians. Guess what? We're going to offend each other. That's part of life. Ask forgiveness for it and pray for one another. And guess who's going to benefit? It may be that you will do yourself more good praying for others than you would praying for yourself. That's what this passage is talking about here. And it's all summed up with this one super phrase, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then James gives us an example here. And I I want us to take a few minutes and look at this example. The man Elijah. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. Now I want you to keep your finger in James because we're going to go back there. James 5.17 says, Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now we go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now we look at that, and I want to ask you a question. Does anybody see any prayer in verses, in verse 1 of 1 Kings 17? We have Elijah going to Ahab, 
And he says, by the Lord God of Israel that liveth before whom I stand, there's not going to be any dew, there's not going to be any rain these years, but according to my word, he says, Ahab, there's not going to be any more rain unless I say so. Do you see any prayer in that verse? I mean, it doesn't say anything in that verse about Elijah praying, now does it? But James gives us an insight into that, what Elijah was doing, because what happened when a prophet said, thus saith the Lord, and it didn't happen? Death. Now, do you think Ahab would not have taken advantage of the law of God to get Elijah put out of the way if it had rained before Elijah had said so? I mean, Jezebel was trying to get him killed no matter what he did. I think Elijah, according to James here, did a lot of earnest praying while he was by the brook Kidron, or Cherith, I'm sorry. And he did a lot of praying every day, three and a half years, that it would not rain until Elijah said so. Now, who had given Elijah that direction? God had. Now, here's the point. A prayer of faith is going to be a prayer that is in agreement with the Word of God. Isn't that true? I mean, isn't that what faith is? Obeying the Word of God. That's what faith is. So this prayer of faith that Elijah prayed was in response to the revelation or to the words of God that had come to Elijah. Now, something that we need to learn from this is that the more of this book that we have in us, the more our prayers will match up with God's Word, and the more of those prayers God will answer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, how does a man know that he's righteous? Obedience to the Word, amen. How does he know that his prayer is the prayer that God wants? Well, it's according to the word. That's the example of Elijah. God said, it's not going to rain unless I give you word. And Elijah was praying that it would not rain. How would you like to pray the same prayer every day for three and a half years? Knowing that if God did not answer that prayer, your life was forfeit. Uh, that put some earnestness to your prayers, would it not? Uh, would you get tired of praying that prayer? Dear Lord, I haven't heard from you. Please don't let it rain today. I mean, this is the prayer. This is the example of Elijah. And then he was up on Mount Carmel with the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 that sat at Jezebel's table. And God sent a fire down. And we go to 1 Kings chapter 18. And let's go down to verse 41. It says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is, the sound, is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, Elijah had just told Ahab, 
there's going to be rain. Now, just as he had told Ahab three and a half years earlier that there was no rain unless he said so, was Elijah's life any less on the line because he now said there's going to be rain. Now, there hadn't been rain in three and a half years. That's pretty good precedent, is it not? Uh, that's a long time, and yet Elijah prayed, and it gives us a picture of his prayer here. It says, verse 42, So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Uh, that sounds rather uncomfortable to me. But he just bent over in a ball and he said to a servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went and looked and he said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. So here's Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel and he's down praying. He says, Go see if there's any clouds. Servant comes back, nothing. What did Elijah do again? According to James, he was praying again. He said, Go back, look again. Seven times, finally, he comes that seventh time and he says, I see a little cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. Elijah says, God's answered prayer. And he is the example that James uses for an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, let's finish this up and we'll be done here in just a moment. Back to James chapter 5. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, we got a great big list of people's names on here. And you know what? The best thing that we can do for every name on the list is pray. If God doesn't touch their heart, are you going to touch it? No, God's got to do the work. Amen? And we need to pray one for another. And there's some names on this list that need more prayer than some of the other names. And there's some people on here that haven't been to church in a while, and we just need to keep them all in prayer. Here's the, here is the answer. It's in prayer. Amen? And let God do His work. And By the way, if you're praying for somebody and all of a sudden you bump into them on the sidewalk, does that mean you walk right by and don't talk to them? No, it doesn't. It means you do talk to them as God brings them in your path. You do communicate, but the communication will be much more effective if it's been prayed for first. Amen? We need to make the most of our prayer time. Not only as a church together, but individually. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would help us in our prayer time to be earnest and true.
Lord, that we would look upon the affliction of others and we would not be afraid to bring our own affliction before you in prayer. Lord, there are many on this list that are having health issues and, Lord, we bring them before you in prayer. We want them to get the best medical care that is possible, but, Lord, we understand it's a prayer of faith that you'll raise them up, not the doctor's medicine or the surgeries or the treatments. But, Lord, it is you. We ask that we would work together to love one another the way we should. And, Lord, as Elijah prayed according to your word so that we would get into your word, enough of it that we would know how you would have us to pray. In your name we pray. Amen. We'll take just a moment. If you want to spend a few minutes at the altar, let's prepare our hearts for the time of prayer. When we're done, we'll get right into our regular prayer time.